every time that we give. So I just want to thank you, every person that gives faithfully uh, to, to Elevate Ministries. You, you know when you're giving here, you know where it's going. God's using it uh, to, to make a difference in our community. Amen. I've got a message this morning I want to preach this to you for just a few moments if we can. Uh, a message I've entitled, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. This is, this is Christmas week. Uh, next Saturday, we're all going to, uh, it depends on, I, I think, the different traditions, but Friday and Saturday, we'll be celebrating Christmas. We'll be celebrating the, the, the Savior, the Messiah, come to earth, uh, um, Emmanuel, God with us. And I know every family has different traditions. I know every family here does, it, does things a little bit differently. And, and uh, however you celebrate Christmas, I just want you to know from your church, your home family, your church family, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. From, from my family, Carrie and I, my parents, uh, Pastor Carl and Bonnie, we just want to let every family know that we, we love you so much. We appreciate you. We're so grateful that God's brought you into our, our, our ministry here, and together we can serve a mighty God. But we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We want to thank you for being a part of this church. And this, this week is a special week. I know on Thursday, we're going to have a special time here. We're going we're gonna to put some fire pits out in the, out in the street. We're going to have all kinds of Christmas goodies and snacks and food out there. And we're going to have a, a wonderful time, of a, a, a musical presentation of the Christmas story. Uh, it's going to be a very unique and fun time. I, I can promise you that. We're going we're gonna to have a wonderful time. Thursday is a great opportunity for you to bring someone to church. It's a great opportunity for you to bring someone. It'll be a short, fun service. We'll present the gospel, and we're going to celebrate the, the, the Messiah and, and together, and it's going to be a great time. But, but this entire week, I know that, that is focused on one day. It's focused on Christmas. And really, it's all centered around the title of this message, which is Joy to the World. And just like the hymn that was written by Isaac Watts, you guys all would know, you, you would all know the song that the kids did it this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Can you sing with me? Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Let he heaven and nature sing. I didn't do that in the 8.30 because I knew none of them would sing, and they would just look at me as I did it, so I just read it. But, but that song is based out of the same text that we read together last week in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and, and, the, and we're going to read it again today if that's okay. It says that there were in the same country shepherds, say shepherds, living out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Somebody say great joy. Great joy, which will be to some people, just will be to just the Jews. No, no, that's what it says. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. I want to stop right there because we need to pay attention to where these heavenly hosts are coming from. They're coming from heaven. Whenever heaven says something, 
they're speaking from a different perspective. You know what I'm talking about. When heaven speaks, it's coming from a different perspective. It has a different vantage point. It's coming from a different realm. The angels aren't entangled in the same mess that we are. The angels aren't entangled in all the different things that have happened in the world and all the different things that we talk about and complain about and, and, and communicate about. They're coming from an entirely different pre, uh, um, perspective. They're coming from the presence of God. And so when the heavenly host comes, they're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Somebody say toward men. So, so the angels are saying there's great joy, there's peace on earth, and there's goodwill, and it's two men. It's coming two men, verse 15. So it was when the angels had left them uh, into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. All right, so I want to give you a few quick, quick points from this portion of Scripture. And the first thing is this, is to and from. So in order for there to be something that is to someone, there first has to be someone that it's coming from. There has to be a place. It has to come from someone. So when we're filling out the tags in our presence, many of us have bought presents. They're stuffed away in hiding places right now in our homes. So they're in closets, under beds, all over the place. But, but eventually, probably the day before, we're going to decide we have to wrap presents. And so we're going we're to be wrapping up gifts, and we're going to be filling out tags. And on the tags, it says to, and it says from. Everything that has a to begins with a from. Are you with me today? So the angels came, and they said joy to the world. And they can say that because they come from a place of joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we have, the angels are speaking to the shepherds and they're saying, what we have and where we're from is a place of joy, and so we're bringing joy to you. On earth, there can be peace because we come from a place of peace. There can be goodwill on earth because we're bringing it to you because we come from heaven. And so I want to tell you today what God wants to do. God wants to bring to you joy. God wants to bring to you joy. And in order for you to have and experience joy, you have to know where joy comes from. Are you with me today? Because there are lots of things that promise joy. There's lots of things in this world that, that will promise joy, but always are unable to deliver because joy can only come from one place. Joy is a byproduct of heaven. Joy comes from heaven. And here's the good news. God's not holding back on you. God, God's not holding back. He wants to give joy to you. And it comes from him. James, 7, James 1, 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Everything that's good, every gift, everything that you can imagine, it comes from God. And so when you were created, you need to understand, you were created in joy. 
as, as God was putting you together, as he was knitting you together, he wasn't angry, he wasn't upset, he wasn't, he wasn't dissatisfied with what he was creating. God was creating you in joy for joy. He wants to give you joy. You were created in joy for joy, and as a result, there'll be things in your life that you'll come across that you enjoy. You were created in joy for joy, and God gave you things that you can enjoy. What does enjoy mean? Enjoy means sim simply enjoy. So Bryn enjoys being a dad. He enjoys it. He's, he's married to beautiful Cindy, and they enjoy their, their family, all right? He, he, enjoys, he, he enjoys playing music. How many know he enjoys playing the guitar? You can tell, right? He enjoys, he enjoys singing and writing songs. He's a woodworker. He enjoys making things with his hands. All of us have things in our lives that we enjoy. So I know some of you in this place, you enjoy the outdoors. Me personally, I enjoy boating. Some of you would enjoy sailing. Some of us are, would enjoy surfing or hunting or fishing or camping. We enjoy hiking, all right? We enjoy snowboarding or skiing or going up into the mountains. Some of us enjoy solitude. If you are a parent with some kids, you enjoy peace and quiet. Can somebody say amen? We enjoy when our babies are finally tucked away in their beds for the night, all right? But all of us, we enjoy life. We, we enjoy friendships and relationships. We enjoy just coming to church. We, we enjoy food, especially in the holiday season. We enjoy cooking. We enjoy new things. We enjoy things. We enjoy sports. I, I, I enjoy watching my favorite teams play. I enjoy paddleboarding. Now here's the thing, what I want, I'm saying all that to say this. The problem with enjoy is that it has a duration. All right, it has an expiration date. So all of the things that we enjoy in life, it's awesome, God gave them to us, but all of them expire. So, so while I'm doing a particular activity that I enjoy, there's joy in it, but it always has an end date. It, al it always ends. So the vacation always, it, it, it's over. The kids wake up, all right? I'm done with my paddle. The food has been eaten. Are you with me? When you, co you, you, you come down from the mountain, all the presents are open. The decorations are put away. Enjoyment has an end date. Enjoyment, what can happen to, enjoy we love it so much that enjoyment can become this vicious cycle of anticipation. That our life ends up revolving around going from thing to thing, pursuit to pursuit of the things that we enjoy. And so you hear it coming out of your mouth by saying things like this, well, I can't wait for this, or I can't wait for, for the holidays, I can't wait for time off, I, I can't wait to put up the decorations. Here's the thing, you were meant to enjoy these things. God, God created you to experience in your life joyful moments. You were created in joy, for joy, and as a result, God gave you things in your life to enjoy. But if, if we're not careful, what can happen to us is we come to a place where those momentary joys become an endless pursuit, which leads to obsessions, which can lead to addictions, and we morph into looking for joy from all the wrong sources. In order for there to be something to, there has to be a from. 
And so what I found, what can happen to all of us in many areas is we spend our lives trying to manufacture the pursuit of joy. That the things that God created for you to enjoy, the things that God created for, for momentary pleasure, we end up trying to go from thing to thing to thing, trying to fill our lives. It's a very fine line. Before you know it, something that once you did for enjoyment is now what you use to medicate. It's now what you use just to cope with all the pressure on the outside. And, and I, if I'm honest with you, I feel like God's been kind of showing some of those things that I have in, in my own life. I found, I found in my own life, there's a number of areas where I was just kind of self-medicating. And, and honestly, I think all of us probably have dealt with that. When you go through a couple of years like we have, you're going through 20, especially for, for me, I don't know about for you, but 2020 and 2021, a lot of pressure and church and COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns and how do you navigate and you're super spreaders and love thy neighbor and we're leaving and you're potentially killing, all of these things that just kind of, you're losing friends and, 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 and everything that's going on, it's very easy to try to escape from all that. But I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that there's a joy that supersedes all of these things. That every circumstance in our life, and sometimes there's some hard ones, but there's a joy that comes from heaven that's transcendent and it can only be found in Jesus. Because joy is in Jesus. So the angels, they appeared to the shepherds and, they, and the first thing the angels said is, there is great joy. The first declaration was there is great joy, and then they give the reason. The reason there is great joy is because today, born to you, is a savior. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't give, he, he didn't give a doctor. There's a lot of people that need doctors, but he didn't give a doctor. For God so loved the world, he didn't send us a therapist. Although many of us could use a therapist every now and then. If therapy is what we needed, he would have sent a therapist, but God loved us so much that he sent a savior because we needed saving. And what's amazing to me is as we read the story, the Christmas story, there's so much detail in it. And I think many of us, we've heard it and we've, we've many of you probably remember times where you were in a play like what was, what was done this morning. I remember being a, a little kid in Christmas programs year after year. I've heard this story so many times, and what can happen is, is we've heard it so many times that details just kind of get lost. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to investigate a little bit with you. I hope you're okay with that. I want to investigate some of the details because it's interesting that God is in the details. That when you look deeply into, into something, especially scripture, you find that, that God's, God's, he's just woven through all of the details. And so what's interesting to me, first of all, is that the shepherds, uh, that the angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. Bethlehem is not a random city. It wasn't just this random city on a map that God says, eh, that's a good spot. God wrote Bethlehem into the story before it ever happened. He, he, he wrote it in the prophet Micah. If you're following along in the Bible re reading plan, we read it this week on Thursday, Micah chapter five, it said this. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little 
to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And so what Micah is saying in this scripture, what Micah is saying is that Bethlehem may be small. It may be insignificant, but from Bethlehem, a ruler would come. We know that David would come from Bethlehem, King David, and he, and he was a man after God's own heart. And David also was a shadow of the coming king, Jesus. Now, Bethlehem, if you just kind of break down the, the name of the city, Bethlehem comes from two words. The first word is, is Bethel. Bethel means house of God. The second part of that, that, that name is Le, Lehem, which means bread. And so Bethlehem is literally translated house of bread. I mean, I mean, could there be a more fitting location for the bread of life to be born than the house of bread? And so now we've got these two, we've got these angels showing up in Bethlehem, reaching out to shepherds. And, and I began, we began to think is why these particular shepherds? Why Bethlehem? Now, my wife is, 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 is doing a devotional, an Advent devotional, and very interesting. She shared this, this, this particular, um, this, this thought with me this, this, this past week that the angels appeared to these shepherds in Bethlehem, not in Galilee. Galilee would be Jesus' hometown, not in Capernaum. Capernaum is something we read in, in Scripture, a place that's very, uh, much more prominent. But these areas, Capernaum and, and Galilee, would have had pasture lands all around them. But in Bethlehem is where these angels appear to shepherds. This is not an accident. God's a God of the details. Now, the angels appeared in Bethlehem because Bethlehem is right outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple is. Jerusalem is centric to all of the religious festivals and sacrifices and celebrations that would go on. Now, we know that centuries before Jesus ever arrives on the scene, sacrificial lambs were born and raised in Bethlehem. Did you grab that? Bethlehem was known for raising sacrificial lambs, and then these lambs would be led from Bethlehem, one city over to Jerusalem, where they would be sacrificed. So the night that the shepherds were leading, were, were, were leading sheep to Jerusalem to be sacrificed, that was the night the angels appeared to them. So you need to understand, these weren't ordinary shepherds. These weren't your ordinary run-of-the-mill providing cotton for everyone and wool for everyone. These shepherds had one job. They were to tend to the sacrificial lambs. Their one job was to raise sheep for atonement, lambs for atonement. So all of their labor, all, all of their work, all of their toil was, was for temporary atonement because every year on Yom, Yom Kippur, lambs would have to be sacrificed. Every year at Passover, the sheep would have to be sacrificed. Every week, the sheep would have to be sacrificed. So all the sheep that were raised by the shepherds in Bethlehem were used for one purpose, and that was for sacrifice. Now, what's, what's even more unbelievable is this, that these shepherds, if a lamb was born in Bethlehem, these shepherds, their job was to inspect every newborn lamb and to see if it had any spot or blemish. Because the, we know that the lambs without spot or blemish were set aside and used for the Passover. And so every lamb that was born, these shepherds, 
that the angel appeared to would have, would have, would have um, inspected these lambs to find found out whether or not it had a spot or, or wrinkle or blemish, and if it, it did not, they would separate that lamb by swaddling it in a cloth and placing it in a manger. And so when the angel came and said, you're gonna find, there's gonna be a sign to you that you're gonna find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, these shepherds would have known exactly where to look and what to look for. It was their job to look for sacrificial lambs and then set them apart by swaddling them and placing them in a manger. And so why is this a sign? Why is this a sign? Why is the angel saying this is a sign? Well, the reason it's a sign is because when babies are born, you typically don't place them in a feeding trough. You know what I mean? Like, that's a little bit weird. And, and, and when babies are born, you, you don't wrap them in milk rags because that's what swaddling cloths are. They're, we like to think they were very, like, warm, nice, fuzzy blanket. Like, that's a swam swaddling. It's very nice. I swaddle my baby. That, 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 that's awesome. But, but, but swaddling cloths were what was used to mop up the milk when you're finished milking the cows. And so these shepherds come... Imagine this, they go into the inn, Mary looks up as they walk into the inn and they say, you're not gonna believe what just happened. You're not gonna believe an angel appeared to us and told us we were gonna see this very thing, that we would find a baby wrapped in milk rags and lying in a feeding, feeding trough. I'm so grateful for a God who's in all of the details. A God that sees this little town of Bethlehem, most known for its Passover lambs, and God says, this is the place. This is the place my son will be born. One day, he will die on a cross. He'll be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. This is, so, this is so important, and, and let, me ask, let me tell you why. Because joy is in Jesus. Jesus isn't some baby. Jesus is the Savior. He's the Savior. When they looked down and they saw a baby wrapped in dirty milk rags lying in a feeding trough, all of a sudden it was a foreshadowing picture that the beginning of his life would look a lot like the end of his life. The end of his life, they would also lay Jesus on wood. He'd be wrapped in the filthy rags of our mess. He'd be wrapped in the filthy rags of our sin, of our violation. Just, just moments before, just, just how moments earlier Jesus had come into this world from a virgin womb. They would take Jesus from the cross and they would take him to an unused tomb. The virgin womb for his birth, the virgin tomb for his rebirth, for his resurrection. Jesus is joy. He is great joy. And the reason he is, is because he is a savior. Somebody say amen. So the angels, they appear to these shepherds in Bethlehem and because these shepherds, their job was to raise, think about this, innocent lambs to be brought to the high priest. Now in those days, the lambs would be brought to the high priest and what the high priest would do, would place this innocent little lamb on the altar and the high priest would place his hand on the lamb and he would lean on the lamb and, and at that moment he'd be confessing all of Israel's sin and, and as he touched this lamb and the lamb would be sacrificed and in that moment 
an exchange was made, that all of the sins of Israel would be transferred to this, this innocent lamb. Meanwhile, all the innocence of the lamb would be transferred onto God's people so that they could continue to receive and enjoy the blessings of God. They could continue to walk in the grace of God. There was this exchange taking place. And so the angel comes to these shepherds in Bethlehem and told them, guys, there's going to be a sign that everything that you have worked for, your, your, your way of life, you've been raising lambs to die. What God was saying in that moment when he approached these shepherds, he's saying, I'm going to bring forth my own lamb. I'm going to bring forth my own atoner. What's an atoner? An atoner is an eraser. It's an eraser. Because of Jesus, my sins have been erased. Mine are. I don't know about yours, but mine are going to be erased. When, you know, here's the thing. When I stand before God, it's probably going to be a little interesting. And the reason it's going to be interesting is because I know how miserably short I fall. I know all the mistakes I've made. I know all the lies I've told. I, I, I know it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be aware of all the reasons that I shouldn't be allowed into heaven. And God's going to open the books. He's going to ask me my name. I'm going to say... Adam Friedrich. He's going to flip through the pages and he's going to say, well, there's nothing there for, to, to disqualify you, Adam. And I'm like, are you sure? It's spelled Friedrich. All right, it's Friedrich. F-R-I-E-D. All right, not C-K, God, C-H. And God's going to look and say, there's nothing there to disqualify you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Psalm 103 says this, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. He is an eraser. Come on, somebody. He's an eraser. Not only did he erase my sins, he eradicated all of my, all of my transgressions, all of my violations. And you know what that does for me? That brings brings me great joy. Jesus is joy. Sin is a joy thief. Sin may bring pleasure. It may, it may bring a hit, but, but it will rob you of joy. Sin will rob you of peace. Jesus is the atoner. He erases everything. He brings joy because he sets us free. Not only is the atoner, Jesus is the freedom bringer. He brings freedom. He breaks chains. Can somebody say amen? He breaks addictions. He destroys our habits. How many of you know we all get caught up into habits? I, I, my phone has become a habit. Anybody else's phone become a habit? Some of you are checking football scores right now. His phone has become a habit. I remember on a Wednesday night, my dad just recently, he's preaching and he's talking about the greatest love story. And on Wednesday nights, I try to take, I, you'll see me on the, I'm, I'm feverishly taking notes. All right, I'm not texting anyone. I'm, I'm usually feverishly, feverishly taking notes on, on what he's speaking about. And so he began to, he said, oh, open up your Bibles. We're going to get into this teaching. And so I pulled out my phone to begin to start taking notes. But habit would have it that I would open up Instagram, you know what I mean? And I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of aimlessly like checking through Instagram. I'm just kind of scrolling through. I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing right now? I'm, I, I'm supposed to be taking notes right now. It's just a habit. 
How many of you fall into those, those habits? Come on, how many, we, we, we all fall? Jesus is a habit breaker, all right? He's a deliverer. He, he, he delivers you from the things that take you down. He delivers you from anxiety, from fear. He delivers you from torment. He delivers you from judgment. He delivers you from guilt and shame and condam condemnation. He doesn't just forgive you, he delivers you. Come on, man. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness and delivers us to the kingdom of light. He's a deliverer. He's a, not only is Jesus a deliverer, he's a healer. Aren't you grateful that God heals? He doesn't just heal our bodies, but he heals our minds. He, heal, he heals our souls. He heals our hearts. The Bible says that, that when Jesus began his ministry, he was in the temple, and he read from the scroll, and he quoted Old Testament, where, where it says this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Aren't you grateful for that today? Come on, some of us, we came to God. God, we were brokenhearted, relationships torn apart, and I'm grateful today that Jesus doesn't just heal my physical body, but he heals the brokenness that end up in our souls. He heals our hearts. He, he heals our minds. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. On the cross, he was a lamb. And God the Father put our transgressions on Jesus. His blameless, sinless, innocent state God placed our sin upon him, and his innocence was transferred to us. And so when you stand before God, if you're in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus. That's why the Bible says in Revelations that we'll throw our crowns down. You know, Paul talks about that we're going to get a crown. When we get to heaven, God's going to hand us a crown. I mean, I don't know how you view that, but... But I mean, you mean you're putting a crown on my head? I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the exchange. We're only here in the presence of God. The only reason that we're here in the glory of God, the only reason we'll be in eternity is because God made the exchange. That's why in Revelations 5 it says that we will say, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Joy to the world. In order for there to be joy to, we have to know where it comes from. Joy comes from heaven, comes from God, comes from God in the form of Jesus. Jesus is joy. Jesus is joy. Aren't you grateful for the joy that God gives? I spent my whole life trying to figure out how to make myself happy, how to fill, fill the, the emptiness that I had. But it wasn't until I, I accepted Jesus, it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus that I experienced real joy. And here's the thing, it's sustainable. It never runs out. It's always available. Joy, joy. Maybe you're here today, you say, you know, I want that joy. I want what you're talking about, Pastor Adam. I want, I want that joy. In order for you to experience joy too, you have to know where joy is from. It's from Jesus. Jesus is joy. Maybe you're here today say, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you all over this room, maybe just raise your hand side to side, front to back, just for a moment. Joy, is, joy is, is Jesus. Jesus is joy. And you say, you know what? I want that. I want true joy. I want Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hands all over this place. I'd love to pray with you right here. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? Come on, all over this room. Say, I want that. Oh, I'd love to pray with you this morning. You join these two honest hands in the front. You say, that's me. That's me. All over this room. All over this room. Maybe we could stand. Maybe we could stand. Everyone here today, we could stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe we could just, maybe we could pray together. Can we do that? All over this room. Maybe we could just pray together right where you're standing. Say, Lord Jesus. I'll say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your son, our Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, you came to save, deliver, and heal. We thank you for Jesus. It brings joy. We invite Jesus into our life. Thank you that you're the lamb that was slain. Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this room today. I'll lift your hands all over this room. Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this room today. Pray blessing upon them, Lord. And we thank you we're no longer under the old covenant. Lord, we've been given a new covenant, a covenant in, in your blood. We thank you for the, the lamb that was slain. Lord, that when you look at us, you no longer look at our sin. You no, no longer look at our unworthiness. Lord, but you see the innocence of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ, Lord, inside of us. And we thank you that today we've received him. How many of you received Christ? Lord, to as many as received them, to them he gave the ability to become children of God. Come on, you are a child of God in this room. Lift your hands and thank the Lord all over this room. God, thank you. Thank you for coming. Lord, we thank you for joy joy to the world well we thank you because we know where it comes from it doesn't come from things from people from places from experiences all of those things you gave us to enjoy but lord we know that joy comes from you so god we look to you we look to you we thank you that joy never ends is not an expiration an expiration on you we thank you lord for eternity we will we will be full of your presence we thank you for eternity we'll celebrate lord we thank you for eternity we will filled with joy and peace and goodwill because of jesus thank you jesus all over this room could you just say that thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you god thank you lord jesus sing this out today. Make me a vessel. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine. Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Make me a vessel, Lord. Sing me. Make me a vessel. I came here with 
special Sunday and special for so many reasons. As we go into this time of Christmas, this Christmas week, make sure you spend some time considering what Christ has done for you. Talk to your family about it. Talk to your kids about it. Let them know we serve a very, very faithful, a very, very good God, a God who gives us joy. And the joy that we're going to experience this Christmas comes only from our God. Amen. Amen. Don't forget about Christmas Eve's Eve, which is this Thursday. Bring some people. It's going to be a special time. And from Elevate Ministries, excuse me, we want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. God bless you today. We love you. Have a great day.